Welcome to the Scripps Insider, a podcast produced by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. The Scripps Insider connects students, faculty, staff, alumni, and friends of the college by covering events and activities that make the Scripps College a premier destination for communication education. Here are your hosts, Abby Marshall, a journalism major in the E.W. Scripps School of Journalism, and Scott Titsworth, Dean of the Scripps College of Communication. Scripps Insider is recorded live in Podcast Studio One from Schoonover Center, home of the Scripps College. Hey, I'm Abby. And I'm Scott. Today we're talking about community journalism and we're joined by Bill Reeder. He's a professor in the E.W. Scripps School of Journalism. So Bill, why don't you start uh, by telling us a little bit about community journalism and what it is. Sure. Uh, Community journalism is basically journalism that is done within communities by uh, members of the community who um, happen to be professional journalists for the most part. Um, So um, the most typical example of community journalism would be a small town newspaper or a hyper-local news site, um, a a local radio station that does local news, Um, but it also can extend to less formal things such as church newsletters, informal bulletin boards and things like that. Or it could be even more sophisticated, where it could be a specific niche within a larger publication. So, for example, um, if a large city newspaper has a Spanish-language edition or an LGBTQ um, uh, edition or something like that Mm -hmm. that's focusing on a specific community. The main emphasis is that rather than just trying to reach a community, the journalists who are doing the work are members of the community. So, as we like to say, they breathe the same air, they drink the same water, their kids attend the same schools as their audiences. And so, they are going to be a lot more in touch with the communities that they cover. They don't just drop in and do parachute journalism. They they live in the community. And so as a result, the news that they do and the the content that they develop Mm -hmm. is going to be much more credible in the eyes of the audience because the audience can see themselves and and everything is familiar in terms of the references. So as a community journalist, when you're working with students that, you know, plan to go in and do that type of community journalism, I assume they're trained the same way as any other journalist, is that right? Um, For the most part they are because very few um, journalism programs actually have standalone community journalism classes. Um, There also is a uh, kind of a bias within the academy against the community press because it's seen as small and insignificant, whereas it actually is the dominant form of journalism in the world. Um, just look at the newspaper industry in the United States. Uh, 92, 93% of the newspapers in the United States have circulations under 50,000. And most of them are weeklies, not dailies. Wow. And they account for almost two-thirds of total newspaper circulation. And yet when we see like the state of the news media from Pew, they talk about the newspaper industry and they're only looking at that small percentage of large dailies. And so they're, they're missing the boat in terms of, you know, the gender diversity of editors. In fact, a lot of editors of small town newspapers and, and community newspapers in, in larger cities are women. Mm-hmm. Um, um, th- um, they tend to be um, younger than the averages and things like that. So even just demographics are going to vary um, when you look at the community press as, as, as a legitimate thing. So um, a lot of students are not exposed to the idea of community journalism in their classes. And so as a result, they often are not formally trained in it. On the flip side, 
most of the work that students do is in fact community journalism. A campus newspaper is, an, is a community journalism outlet. Um, so if they're working for local media or co-curricular activities in the, in, on the campus, they are practicing community journalism. And of course, many of them do internships and their first jobs are gonna be in community journalism. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned parachute journalism to people that are listening that maybe don't know what that is. Can you explain a little bit what that is and why it maybe isn't the ideal situation? Yeah, sure. Parachute journalism is, is the concept where a large news outlet will send a reporter or a team of, of, of journalists to go cover a, an issue in a place where they don't normally go. So, um, for example, um, in uh, Sago, West Virginia, when there was that horrible mine disaster about 10 years ago, um, you know, news media from all over the country flocked to this little town. It, it isn't even really a town. It's a church in a parking lot. Um, and, um, you know, and they came in, they didn't know anything about the community, they didn't know anything about the people, um, and while they were providing an important service to the nation in terms of letting us know that this was happening, um, when um, the erroneous reports came out that the, the miners had survived, that were trapped in there, all of the national news media ran with it. That was their front page stories in the print editions, that was their lead stories online, it was the lead story um, on broadcast and everything else. Only one newspaper, only one newspaper retracted the, the story and, and, and corrected it before they went to press, and that was the Buchanan newspaper, the weekly newspaper that covers the community. They, they, they called back every edition of the newspaper, pulped the whole run, which is expensive for a community newspaper. Yeah. Um, and reprinted the newspaper with the actual news because what they didn't want is they didn't want this false hope to be recorded in their archives because they are responsible to the community. So the parachute journalists jump in, usually with good intentions, but they don't know the lay of the land, they don't know the culture, and in a lot of ways it's, it's, it's exploitative. They're going there to get a story, they're not going there to help the community deal with these issues. And then they leave. Okay, and so after the news is there, whereas the local newspaper in Buchanan, they covered the funerals, they covered the lawsuits, they covered the rebuilding, the healings, the anniversaries, and all of that stuff that is essential to healing and to, to, to restoration in a community. I mean, most of the other news media didn't even look at it. They might come back in 10 years and say, oh, it's 10th year anniversary. So that's what parachute journalism really is. Before we leave that topic of parachute journalism, a slightly different question, but one that I think is related. So a lot of students that want to go into journalism, you know, they, their aspiration perhaps is to be at one of those national outlets and to be a national level reporter. We have a lot of students that do that. It's, mm -hmm, it's a sure. typical view and career path. Why is it important for them to understand what community journalism is and what can they learn from that that could influence themselves as journalists? Well, I mean, uh, there's nothing wrong, obviously, with those aspirations. And, and I mean, uh, you know, large news media serve an important role in society. And so it's good that we have students who are striving for that. Um, but, um, you know, the things that you learn, the, the lessons that you learn in practicing community journalism can help you be a better journalist at any level. And in fact, many high-level, very famous journalists got their start in community journalism. One of the most important things you learn is accountability. Because it, when you're a parachute journalist, you jump into a community, you write the story, and then you get out. You're not there to interact with the people who you just wrote about. 
Um, you may get a few complaints or you might get a few little notes or things like that from some people, but you're not living in the consequences of your actions. Whereas at community, in community journalism, and you can ask the editor of any small town paper, you know, they get confronted in the grocery store. They get, they get confronted on the street. They, uh, after church service, you know, the readers will come to them and say, hey, I like that or I didn't like that. So the level of accountability is both uh, the magnitude of the accountability is greater, as is the, um, the, the level of interaction. It's, it's a lot less formal in that sense. And it's much more, again, you're part of the community, and so you are accountable directly to that community and not just to a few individuals. And then backing up a little bit, maybe uh, if you could tell us about your experience and why this is something that is important to you and to teach to students. Sure. Um, like like most journalists, I uh, got my start in community journalism um, at a small town newspaper. Um, and I, I keep using small town newspaper, but a lot of community journalism is done in large cities. Like New York City, for example, has 400 some print publications in 40 different languages, right? So, um, but I got my start doing that. and. You know, it, I recognize just how important good quality local news is for the basic aspects of government. Um, local government often is not monitored, and so while the corruption there is often uh, small in scale, you know, instead of millions of dollars embezzled, thousands of dollars, but still, if nobody's watching, that can be a problem. Um, the other thing is it's an affirmation of, of local culture, and there are a lot of communities that feel that you know, without their newspaper, there's nobody there to say, hey, here we are, this is who we are, this is why we matter. Um, community journalism is, is heavily in, um, uh, focused on everyday people rather than celebrities and, and you know, who we would consider, consider to be newsmakers. Um, there are aspects of community journalism that we kind of take for granted that are crucial to community life, like birth announcements, wedding anniversary announcements, honor rolls, um, acknowledging youth sports. Youth sports is a major part of the community journalism framework um, and, and things like that. So in a lot of ways, community journalism is, is being a part of the community and being a community leader um, with a great deal of responsibility to um, you know, uh, not just reflect what's going on in the community, not just keep the community informed, but to hold the community together, to really help hold that, that the fabric of that, that social fabric that makes a community a community. So I wanna, I wanna talk about um, your research. Just before we get to that, um, a student that comes to Ohio University that hears this podcast and says, that sounds like something that I would be really interested in. What, what are the types of students that you think historically, you know, under you know, courses that you taught, have gravitated towards community journalism? I mean, I don't know if you can answer that question precisely, but I guess I'm trying to think if there's somebody out there listening and they're going, wow, that kind of sounds interesting. What are the types of students that tend to do really well in that, get really you know, jazzed by doing it? Mm -hmm. You know, does that make sense? It does. Um, you know, it's a hard sell. So, <laughs> you, yeah. know, it's, it, you know, incoming students, obviously they have their eyes set on the prize. You know, they want to be rich and famous which, you know, in journalism is very difficult, <laughs> at least yeah. the rich part. Uh, but um, I think once they start um, interacting with people on a regular basis in their, in, in, on campus and stuff, and they got, get, get a sense of how routine coverage of student senate, faculty senate, routine coverage of Cutler Hall, routine coverage of, of, of specific issues, or, or really covering an issue from start to finish. You know, from the, the beginning of the controversy, through the discussions of the con controversy, through the resolution of the controversy, and then the aftermath, that they, they, they realize that's something that they're probably not going to get if they're a suitcase journalist who is just traveling the world. 
Um, another aspect of community journalism that we often don't talk about is it, it, it is the primary news source for diverse communities, mm -hmm. for communities of color, for communities of, of, of religion, uh, communities of professions, um, and, and things like that. And so, you know, students who feel strongly identify with a particular community may feel that this is a way that I can contribute to my community and be a, a, an even bigger part of community life by informing the community about what's going on within it from a member of the community rather than from some external person. So, um, you know, uh, in the community journalism class, students exp uh, explore all any number of diverse media, uh, uh, newspapers that serve Chinatowns, for example, across the United States, um, news media that are, that are focused on providing news and information to the Roma peoples of Europe, um, Native American, the Native American press. In fact, in the fall, I had three different students focus on three different tribal news outlets in the United States. And so when you start thinking about that, African American newspapers, uh, LGBT publications, um, st students start to say, hey, wait, this is something that I care about. So it's more than just about covering the big events, interacting with famous people, and, and, and basically being on television. And it's more about being part of that community fabric. And that appeals to a lot of people. So switching gears, um, your writing uh, focuses, you know, obviously in large part on community journalism. What, and, and you've done a lot of looking at case studies of community journalism projects, um, both, you know, across time and across geography. What are some examples that really stands out in the work that you've done of case studies of community journalism that's maybe had a, a real impact or has really figured out how to do it well? Oh, sure. Geez. <laughs> yeah, big uh, question. <laughs> um, well, I mean... Most of the states in the United States have state press associations, and the vast majority of their members are community press. And so one of the things that, if you're interested in this, is just look at who wins the awards, which newspapers are winning these awards year after year for general excellence. And you'll see that you know these are a lot of small little newspapers that are doing some pretty impressive work. Um, you know, some even rise to the level of, of winning you know major national awards, even Pulitzer Prizes occasionally. Um, but, uh, you know, of late, I've been really watching the hyperlocal news sites uh, that are run under Spirited Media, which is Jim Brady. He's the former editor of The Washington Post. It's, uh, his, it's uh, his entrepreneur thing. So they started with Billy Penn in Philadelphia, um, and then they expanded to Pittsburgh with The Incline, and then they have recently purchased Denverite out in Denver, Colorado. Um, now, their emphasis is on, because um, they cover big cities, they recognize that a city is not a community that a, a city is made up of neighborhoods, and so those neighborhoods can form communities, but also that community is something that is culturally overlaid a place. So, you know, they, they are serving millennials, they are serving young professionals, they're serving the LGBT community, they're serving underrepresented communities overlaid over all of the neighborhoods in Philadelphia mm -hmm. and Pittsburgh and things like that. And so the, these are very small teams. I mean, I think Billy Penn right now has like maybe eight people total mm -hmm. working for them. Uh, three on the content side, and then they have a, a development person, um, and then um, they have um, uh, somebody who's only focused on organizing events. And the events are both to generate revenue, but also to bring the community together. So they might have, you know, it's like we're, we're going to profile, you know, 12 teachers under 40 who are making a difference, or uh, we're going to focus on, you know, physicians under 40 who are making a difference, um, community leaders who are organizing things like that. Um, and so, you know, between providing more or less traditional content 
that would be aimed at young professionals, a lot of entertainment, a lot of socializing and things like that. Um, they're also tackling some really important issues like homelessness, uh, public transit, education, uh, scandals in local government and things like that. And in a lot of ways, in some of these communities, they're doing it better than the local press. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when Billy Penn started, Philadelphia Inquirer was still, you know, being run by an investment company and it was just, you know, a shadow of its former self, you know. Um, since then, it's been um, purchased by a nonprofit organization, the Lenfest Institute. Um, and one of the first things Lenfest did was they also invested in Billy Penn because they saw that during that that period, that limbo period where the Inquirer just wasn't covering the, the city as well as it could have because of any number of poor management decisions, Billy Penn stepped up and really filled that void. Mm -hmm. And so now they have established themselves as a, you know, they are a dominant media presence in Philadelphia and they do community journalism. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess one last question. I recently read, and it's related to what you were just talking about in Philadelphia, actually. So I, I just read, and I, I don't remember the source of the article now, but it was an article that was describing sort of um, several newspapers and their trajectories in the state of Kentucky. And it essentially profiled a group that's, that restarted a brand of a newspaper that went out of business. But they did it under a public media guise, um, not, not like... Um, WOUB or public broadcasting, but they called it public media. It was a nonprofit. Is that a business model that you see or you know expect to become more common? Where these local news? I mean, it would take some girth for a local news outlet to, or a community-based journalism outlet to get to a level where they would you know go for nonprofit status or something like that. Um, but do you, do you see that as being sort of a business model for? a certain level of community journalism going into the future? In other words, not trying to compete as a for-profit enterprise with stakeholders and at part of a larger consortium of companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in fact, I just uh, I just finished writing a book chapter about this very issue mm -hmm. of different <laughs> business models of, of for local media, um, not just for community media, but for any, any form of local news. And the answer is, yeah, sure, there are some communities where that model is going to work fine. There are also communities where that model will not work at all. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the beauties about community journalism is that it is a very diverse sector mm -hmm. in that you have multiple different approaches to how the businesses are structured. And generally, they are a reflection on what the community wants and what the community can support. So a, a relatively affluent suburban neighborhood can support a nonprofit because the people there have a lot of disposable income and so they may be willing to provide financial support on a voluntary basis. So rather than selling subscriptions, some of these newspapers are now offering memberships just like right. public radio does, right. okay? Um, so it's a voluntary thing and, and, and they're getting some support that way. But in a rural community, a poor rural community, that model's not gonna necessarily work at all. Um, whereas in a small rural community, there are a lot of local businesses who have no other way to get the word out about what they do. And so for them, local advertising is both affordable and essential. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, in that, in that type of milieu, you're going to certainly have more traditional uh, for-profit, maybe a, an independently owned uh, for-profit model. 
And some of these newspapers make a surprising amount of money. I mean, uh, um, uh, a friend of mine is the editor of a small weekly in north central Iowa, circulation about 5,000. Um, they have five FTEs on staff. There's the publisher, the editor, uh, general assignment news reporter, sports editor, and a business manager. And uh, the last time I talked to him, they were bringing in over $850,000 gross per year. Wow. In a small town, not near a major city. Now, th- because they have, they've diversified their business model. So while they do produce a traditional newspaper, they have different special editions that they produce. Mm-hmm. They do creative services for local businesses who, you know, they, they, they want to advertise, but they don't know how to design ads. They're, mm-hmm. they're you know, car repairmen. They're, they're plumbers. They're uh, florists, you know, um, and, and things like that. So, you know, and they also make quite a bit of money off the web, even though print is still their dominant source. They're making about 20% of their revenue off of online sales and, and, and things like that. They do some events. Events are a growing form of revenue, especially at the community level, because it's a great way to tap into the community. Um, So, you know, I think that the nonprofit model is is an interesting model, but I think it really only works in larger cities and more affluent neighborhoods. I don't see it working in a a, a more impoverished uh, inner city neighborhood, for example. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So what would be your piece of advice for students who are perhaps looking to go into community journalism um, as we finish up our education here? Well, I would say, you know, even if you're not interested in community journalism as a career, recognize that you're going to be doing it, Um, whether you're working for campus media, um, whether you you do it for an internship, whether it's your entry-level job or your first several jobs. And so just be open to the idea of, you know, when you are um, covering a community, you should... uh, Basically, you should bloom where you're planted, is that don't treat these as stepping stones. Don't treat them as, as um, little things that you need to do to pay your dues to make it to the big leagues. Really try to do your best possible work in those communities while you're there. Um, it'll not only help you cultivate really good professional practice um, and, and, and a good moral compass, um, but the things that you will learn will help you immensely no matter where you go after you graduate. Our guest today was Bill Reeder, who's a professor in the EW Scripps School of Journalism who specializes in community media and, and local news. Uh, Bill, thanks for being on the Thank podcast. Thank you so much. This was fun. Thanks. Abby, see you next time. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Scripps Insider. You can follow this podcast through popular podcasting apps such as Google Play and iTunes, or by visiting the Scripps College website at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. You can also connect with the college through social media on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Simply search for the Scripps College of Communication to like and follow our posts. Thank you for listening.